Welcome, welcome, welcome. Yay, you're here. Hey, if you're new with us, my name's John. I'm lead pastor at Centerpoint, and I'd like to just take a moment together uh, to make sure that our hearts are ready and active to, uh, to respond to the Spirit of God. So I want you to just take a moment right now before we just roll into a sermon, and I'd like us to just take a moment and uh, kind of press the activate button on our own hearts, so to speak, for a moment. And so I want you to just do this with me, if you would. I want you to just close your eyes for just a second. Just close them and, and just take a breath or two, a good deep breath. Maybe even put your hand on your heart for a second. And maybe just uh, say something with me. Would you say at home and in this room, just say, God, I need you today. Would you wake me up with a spiritual awakening and do a work of revival? In my life, in Jesus' name, I give you glory, God. And then shout, amen. 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 All right, we're going to spend a little bit of time today in, uh, in 2 Peter. So you can make your way to that part of the Bible. It's at the very back. Uh, just If you hit Revelation, you went too far, go back a little bit and you'll get there. So turn to get there now. But So I, I, uh, I, I was bringing the garbage cans in uh, this, this past week and got to, the, somebody said amen. If you're at home, somebody said amen that I brought my garbage cans in. They, they don't like that neighbor that leaves them there all week long. So anyway, uh, I brought the garbage cans in, got to the gate, and I realized the gate was broken. And not just a little broken, but somehow completely broken. Like, the thing, it had fallen off of its hinges. Like, the wood was so rotten that the screws just outright fell out. And probably somebody else knew that when they first brought the cans out to the street, but didn't tell me. Anyway, uh, I, I realized that was a problem, so I texted my family, and I texted this picture saying, don't use the gate, it's broken, please don't use it at all. You know, one of those texts, an old family. And then I got to work, and I worked on it, and I fixed that thing, and I fixed it good. Look at this, I fixed it good. Whole new boards this way and that, and, and I texted my family, and I said, you can use the gate now, it's all good. But of course, I had to include the picture. Because I wanted him to know how hard I'd worked, right? You can take that down. It's fine. But, but a, a few months earlier, um, my wife had asked for an anniversary kind of Christmas present that uh, in the bathroom, could we put in a, a sink with a cabinet, that kind of thing. Uh, and so for anniversary Christmas present, I took this, the old one, uh, the old, you could do it now, this picture now. Like, there you go, the old, it wasn't anything wrong with it, we just one one with the cabinet. So I did some smashing and demolishing and plumbing and resetting and texturing, and then uh, got this thing going on and made it, made it nice, made it good. And uh, a few months earlier than that, we'll do these pictures a little quicker. Uh, my, my son, we had a, a loft upstairs that we needed more space for his bedroom, so I smashed and tore down and ripped apart and then put this in, put the wall in and made a whole new thing. And... And why do I like showing you these pictures? Why? Because I'm proud of the progress that I made. You know, and I'll just be glad to say it. And, and those are just a few. There's others, right? And, and probably a lot of us can relate to how good it feels when, when we take something that's in one state and we put some effort into it and then something else happens as a result that's better on the other side. And, and really, what we're talking about in this series is doing that with our lives, because as, as, as fun as it is to see a couple of befores and afters of some decent little home renovation projects, what we all crave more than that is to see that our own lives could be transformed, that we could, 
recognize the areas in our life where things aren't the way we want them or how God wants them or how, how we wish they would be, and that we could see the transformation happen, the progress happen. And progress takes plan, takes vision, takes intentionality, it takes effort, and ultimately it takes action. And I believe that you and I are going to see in the scripture some ways that, that God is actually calling us to experience his power, bringing us uh, the opportunity and the ability to be transformed, to be uh, those works in progress that we really are. And it's part of our very nature because of who we are as created in the image of God. I mean, Genesis 1.27 says that. It says that we are created in the image of God. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created us in his image. But what that means is that we are kind of like our God. And if you think about it, just page one of the Bible, it starts off with, with the opening salvo being progress. I mean, you get it, right? It starts day one and God takes the chaos and the nothingness and the void and then begins to simply create and it begins light and dark, good, day one. And then atmosphere and ozone and sky, day two, good. And then land and sea and plants and trees, day three, Good. And then uh, stars and planets and moon and sun and day and night. That was day four. And it was good. And then microbes and mollusks and birds and fish. And that was day five. And it was... And then reptiles and wild animals and humans. And that was day six. And it was... And so God, God is the ultimate one who makes progress. God is the ultimate creator and maker of progress, taking the chaos and the nothingness and working in it and working on it until he could say about it, it is good. And that's who God is. And we're made in his image. And so it isn't surprising that something deep inside of us longs for that, longs to take what isn't how we wish it were and to begin to make it better and to see the progress come about. And so part of what we get to do in this life is recognize, I'm not there yet. I haven't arrived yet. And it's all right. I'm a work in progress. But we do get to do this because it's who we really are. You know, Jesus envisioned us uh, as people who would, who would recognize that we are works in progress. And Jesus spoke about this in John 15 in this way. He said, I am the vine and you are the branches. And my father is the gardener, and he's going to do some pruning. And that pruning is good because it's going to allow you to make progress. It's going to allow you to grow. It's going to allow you to bear better fruit, much fruit. And Jesus envisioned that you and I would know that that's who we are, people who are in a close relationship with him and that it is his life and goodness coming through us and the work of God in our lives that allows us to make progress. In John 15, 8, he said it like this. Jesus said, this is to my Father's glory. All of this, this growing and making progress. This is to my Father's glory. Say the next part out loud with me. Go. That you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Everyone say disciples. Okay, so we call ourselves Christians, and that's good. 
But in the earliest moments of what we are as people who are following Jesus, it was the word disciple that really defined this and us and following Jesus. And, and so I want us to get into that mindset a little bit in this series and in this message today that we too are disciples of Jesus. And I say that word again, disciple. disciple. It's an important word for the message that I have for you today. Disciple. It is a word that means a learner. And it's a word that in the Old Testament only shows up two times, but in the New Testament, it shows up 261 times. It's a New Testament idea. And in the Old Testament, it's not really big as part of the dynamic of the people of God. But when Jesus enters the scene, it becomes one of the words that's at the forefront of this Jesus thing. And it means, again, a learner. And in the environment in which Jesus stepped onto the scene, he stepped in as a rabbi. A rabbi was a teacher who had a bunch of people who were called disciples, people who were learning, learning from that rabbi, whatever he could possibly teach him, learning from that rabbi about how to live, learning how to be more like that rabbi. And so we start here as disciples, people who are following Jesus, and we are disciples who are learning and growing in this life with Jesus. And I just want to start there in the message today. I'm learning and growing because I'm following Jesus. I want you to just say that. I'm learning and growing because I'm following Jesus. That's the main idea of my message, all right? Say it again. I'm learning and growing because I'm following Jesus. One more time, say it with me. I'm learning and growing because I'm following Jesus. One more time, say it. I'm learning and growing because I'm following Jesus. I want us to get this in our heart, that, that I'm, not, I'm not stagnant. I'm not staying how I was. I'm not stuck with doing nothing but repeating the same junk from last year. No, because I am a disciple. I am one who is actively learning and growing because I'm following Jesus. One more time, say it. I'm learning and growing because I'm following Jesus. That is the message that I have for us today. And I want to put some emphasis on the ING. On the ING. You heard that, right? I'm learning and growing. Because I'm following Jesus. Sometimes what happens in our life, our, our spiritual life in particular, is, is we, we get two steps forward and then something happens and we kind of move one step back. And we can sometimes take that as a mark of failure and it might even cause us to say, well, then I give up. I'm done. I guess I can't do it and I don't want to be a hypocrite. Guess what? Every single one of us is in that same journey. And it's important that we, that we give ourselves the same kind of grace that God gave us. He loved us before we did a single thing. He, he, he loved us before we ever decided that we wanted to you know, turn to Jesus. He loved us before we uh, opened our Bible ever for the first time. He loved us before we ever once went and helped somebody else in his name or any of that good stuff. He loved us first. And, and so we need to give ourselves sometimes the same grace that he gave us and, and recognize that it's okay that I'm a work in progress. In fact, that that's the most realistic view of who I am as a disciple. I'm learning and growing because I'm following Jesus. And it's important that we view each other this way too. 
Otherwise, we might, we might look at somebody else and go, they call themselves a Christian, but look at what they, look, look, look what they did. Look what they're doing. Hey, you better step back in front of that mirror. Right? And recognize that it's a humble and healthy starting point to just simply say, hey, I'm learning and growing because I'm following Jesus. But I am learning. I am growing. There is both sides in that continuum. Can you hear it? There's the, there's the side at which I acknowledge, of course I haven't arrived yet. Of course I know I've I'm, I'm, got so far to go. But the other end of the spectrum is, but I am going. I am moving towards God's best. I am learning. I am growing. And I'll keep doing that. I'll keep taking those steps. And even if it is sometimes one step forward and, or two steps forward and one step back, I'm going to keep taking that next two steps forward. Somebody say amen to that. That's what this life of progress is really all about. So, so speaking of disciples, one of the disciples is Peter. And Peter ended up becoming one of the leaders of the movement called Christianity, movement called The Way in his time. And Peter wrote two of the books that are in the New Testament. We're turning there now to Second uh, Peter. And Second Peter has some words to those of us who are learning and growing because we're following Jesus. And, and I want us to jump into the words of Peter right now. So Second Peter, chapter 1, if you're there, say, hey, you're there. All right, Second Peter 1. Okay. From Simon Peter, a servant and apostle, of Jesus Christ to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours. Could you just say a faith as precious as ours? Come on, say it. A faith as precious as ours. So, so Peter's writing to, to this group of believers, disciples of Jesus, people who are learning and growing because they're following Jesus. And he says, oh, I, I, I want to just say grace and peace to all of you who have received a faith as precious as ours. And so the first thing Peter says in this letter inspired by the Spirit is a description of this thing, our faith, as something precious. And it's precious. This faith in Jesus is precious. It's precious to me, I'll tell you why. This faith in Jesus is precious to me. It's the most precious thing in my life because this Faith allows me to wake up every single day knowing that my sins are forgiven and that shame is gone. This faith is precious to me because it allows me to take every step in my life infused by the power of God. This faith is precious to me because it allows me to walk through this world knowing that I have a relationship with my heavenly Father and that I'm secure in his love for me. This faith is precious to me because it allows me to know the creator of the universe personally. This faith is precious to me because it allows me to know that I have the hope of heaven and that I am not condemned, but I am alive in the power of the Spirit of God. This faith is precious to me. It's precious. Don't ever forget it. Don't ever take it for granted that, oh yeah, I guess I'm a Christian. I mean, sure, I, I said yes to Jesus, I guess, when I was a kid, whatever. No, it's a precious faith. Come on, say it. It's a precious faith. It is a, don't you ever forget, it's a precious faith. And it's precious because of the blood of Jesus that purchased it. 
It's a precious faith. So before anything else, Peter says, you got, I want you to know this. This, is, this faith in Jesus is precious. Don't ever lose sight of how precious it is to belong to your king, to belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's precious. And so he starts saying, precious, and he says, grace and peace to you. And who doesn't need a little bit more of that? Grace and peace, verse 2. Grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. There's something about knowing God, knowing Jesus as Lord, that, that allows grace to grow, allows grace to be yours in abundance. Grace that comes along with an, an empowerment for you to keep making progress. Grace that allows you to know that that the sin and the shame is covered. Grace that allows you to know that, that even though you, you would have deserved punishment, instead you've been given his gift of forgiveness. Grace and peace. Peace in the middle of things going wrong. Peace in the middle of difficulties. Peace right in the middle of circumstances that you don't know what to do with. That kind of peace. That kind of grace. It's yours. How is it yours? Through Jesus. I want you to just picture right now the cross. Jesus hanging on it. Picture that. Picture the agony that Jesus went through, shedding his blood. Just picture it in your imagination right now. Jesus with blood dripping from his hands and his feet. And Jesus is doing something in that moment. He's taking into himself all of the sin, all of the shame, all of the guilt of all humanity for all time, including mine, all of it for my whole lifetime and yours for your whole lifetime. He's taking it into himself in a way that goes far beyond what we see in his human figure being crucified. But he's taking it spiritually for all eternity so that you and I could be fully forgiven and fully free. So that we could actually live in that grace and peace in abundance. And it comes through Jesus, your Lord. That's what you just read. Just thank God for it. I mean, maybe right now with me, could we just say, God, thank you for your grace and peace. Just say it with me. God, thank you for your grace and peace. Right now at home, say it with me. God, thank you for your grace and peace. Sitting here, say it again. God, thank you for your grace and peace. When you, when you really think about how much it cost for God to give that to you, it should push you to a place of going, thank you. Thank you, God, for that grace and peace. I'll never underestimate the worth of it and what you did to provide it for me. Thank you, God, for the grace and peace. Say it again. Thank you, God, for that grace and peace. It's yours in abundance. It really is, and it's through Jesus Christ. Oh, man, I got <laughs> I to gotta, I gotta keep moving. All right, so verse, uh, verse 3. Let's keep going here. So his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. You think about this for a second. I think about the troubles in your life. So many of them, don't they come from, from this? Like the evil desires? Think about the, the adultery 
that happened that just left such a scar on your life. Think about the abuse that occurred and where it came from. You see, the Bible is just dealing with reality. But the God that I know says, but you're not just stuck there. I'm not leaving you stuck with no recourse. I'm giving you a way to move beyond all of that. And it's through participation in the divine nature. I mean, we just read this together, right? God is saying uh, his divine power has given us everything we need. Everyone say, everything you need. Everything, everything you need for, for living a godly life. Or another translation says, for life and godliness. Everything you need has been given to you. It's a little bit like this. Though. I remember when my kids were younger, uh, sometimes for Christmas or birthdays, I'd, I loved getting them um, erector sets. Part of that is because I like making things, and it gave me an opportunity to make some things with my kids. And uh, one year, I remember getting this one particular erector set, and, and uh, it had 15 models that you could make. 15. I think I had a picture of the box just to jog somebody's memory about what an erector set uh, looks like. But uh, it, the box had everything that we needed. It, it was all there. The pieces of metal, the bolts, the washers, a little motor to make the thing go. It's all there in the box. But guess what? On the side of that box were those famous words, some assembly required. Some assembly required. I mean, you, you could not do any assembly, but then all you would have is just the pieces just sitting there. In order to actually make those 15 different erector set models, we had to participate. We had to participate with the designers who came up with these 15 models. We had to participate with their ideas about how one part could connect to another part and connect to the motor and connect to the wheels. We had to participate with the people who created that thing in order to get the model that was on the front of that box. And when God's word says, he has given you everything you need for living a godly life, it's true. It's all there. But then what we also just read is that there's some assembly required. <laughs> It's, it's about you participating in the divine nature, but that's kind of mind-blowing, isn't it? Yeah. That God would say, yep, I'm inviting you to participate in the divine nature, to participate in the actual life of God. It's God saying, you are not stuck. You don't have to be stagnant. I'm not leaving you with nothing but the shame and grime and guilt and grossness and pain and brokenness of life. No, you have an opportunity. I'm giving you everything you need so that you can actually participate in the divine nature, that you can participate in the life of God. And I want you to take this to heart and embrace it, that it's who you are. You are a participant in the divine nature. That's God's vision for you. He wasn't interested in you just becoming an adherent of a religion. He wasn't interested in you just being a nice churchgoer. He wasn't interested in you just becoming, you know, religious or whatever in the eyes of your friends. He was interested and always is interested in inviting you into such a closeness with him that you would know yourself to be one who is participating in the divine nature. If you could picture this for what it is, it's, it's, it's you 
reaching into the very nature of God himself and grabbing hold of who he is and activating and actively walking that way in your own life, participating in the divine nature. It is what you and I get to do. What a promise. What a gift. And so how do you get there? How do you get there? Well, first of all, you, you get there by realizing this is who you are. Like, you just go, I'm not just a churchgoer. I am a person who participates in the divine nature. I want you to say this. I participate in the life of God. Yeah, that, that is who you really are. You're not just a person who's just trying harder to do better and be a little nicer. No, you are somebody who is par participating in the life of God. And how could you not be transformed when that's your reality? You, you start by realizing that's who you are. You begin then to expect that God is going to speak to you and give you direction about things that are part of his vision for your life and where things are going to change because he wants them to. You expect that. You begin to anticipate the supernatural. You anticipate that, that things are going to happen in your life and through your life that can only be explained by God's presence and God's power because they go so far beyond what you can come up with by your own bad self. Right. You, you begin to, to, to step into an active engagement with the presence of God. You do it by actually reading the scriptures and beginning to take to heart what he's saying. You do it by just praying, talking to God, spending time in his presence, and not just once a week or something, but all the time, throughout the day. You do it by be, being with other believers who are going to, we're going to nudge each other on and say, come on, man, come on, girl, we're going to keep going. We're going to do this thing, this Jesus life thing, this divine life thing. We're, we're going for it. This is possible for every one of us. Do, do we want to be a work in progress where progress is happening more and more? Then this is the way there. By participating in the divine nature. I got to keep reading. Verse 5 says, for this very reason, because all that's possible for you, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. And to goodness, knowledge. And to knowledge, self-control. And to self-control, perseverance. And to perseverance, godliness. And to godliness, mutual affection. And to mutual affection, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. This word that we've been talking about today, disciple, it's a good word. I mean, it, it starts with, with a good word, especially the way I defined it at the very beginning. Like, I'm a learner, right? Who's going to object to that? But in that word disciple, there's a root word that maybe some of us don't feel quite as fond of. Anybody want to shout it out? Discipline. That's right. Discipline. Type it into the comments. Discipline. Somebody say, I love discipline. It just feels weird to say it, but... Guess what? It is part of the process. It is part of the process, discipline. And you, can, you could probably share some of, the, some of the people that you have high regard for, and you'd look into their lives, and you'd probably find that discipline was at the very core of how they got to be that person that you have high regard for. You know, so in the last couple of years, there have been a whole lot of sad things that we've all experienced. 
And especially 2020 is going to be one of those years that we're going to look back and go, man, that was a year with a lot of sad stuff in it. <laughs> but it started off January, I think, 26th or so with, uh, with the, a, a sadness that maybe a lot of us can relate to, and that was when Kobe Bryant died. And man, that, that almost like set the tone for the year of like, gosh, tough things. Kobe Bryant, though, when you think about his life, his life represents a legacy of extreme discipline. I mean, I don't care whether you're a Lakers fan or a Lakers hater, but you got to respect the discipline in one of the greatest basketball players of all time. I mean, 20 years in the NBA, uh, 18 all-star appearances, five NBA championships, four NBA all-star MVP awards, two NBA finals MVPs, one NBA MVP, and on and on. And you hear the stories of Kobe showing up in the gym and at 4 a.m. And, and not leaving until he had made 800 jump shots five hours later. I mean, that discipline is what got him there. And so, of course, his very last game before retiring, he nailed 60 points, right? But where did that all come from? From discipline, from a willingness to show up and do the work. And in our lives, I think that God is looking at you and going, hey, it's all there. It's all in the box. Some assembly required. <laughs> Participate in the divine nature and go for it. And what I just read is really important. Verse 5, one more time. It said, for this very reason, make every effort. Say, make every effort. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. And I know, I know, no. when you hear a list like that, you can almost start to feel it exhausted like, oh my gosh, what else do I have to do? <laughs> but at the core, it is God calling you to become who he envisions who you can be. Just somebody beautiful, strong, powerful, effective, impactful, and who leaves a great legacy in this planet for your cousins, your brothers, your sisters, your kid. Will you do it? Or will you just laze out? Coast and cruise on autopilot. Talked about that last week and how helpful that is. Go back and listen to last week if you missed it. It was kind of like the prequel to this series. But I, I, I'm hearing the word of God saying, make every effort. But I want to make sure I'm clear about something today. We start with faith. And faith does not require effort. It's really important that you see this distinction. Because it says, make every effort to add to your faith. Faith comes first. Your faith is not effort. It's not work. It's a posture of believing and receiving in and through God what he has done for you through Jesus. So you start there with your faith. When you put your faith in Jesus, which requires no effort from you, no work from you, it's the posture of saying yes, you, you ask him to forgive your sins and save your life, he'll do it. And on that moment, you are justified. Everyone say justified. Justified. It's an important word if you're going to follow Jesus. And remember, that's our message today. I'm learning and growing because I'm following Jesus. And if I'm following Jesus, my starting point is my faith in him. And by 
faith in him, I'm justified. That means my sins are forgiven. I don't owe for the garbage anymore. I know that I'm going to heaven because of what Jesus has done for me, and I'm not thinking I'm earning that for myself. That's where I begin, my faith. It's such a great place to begin, right? Great place to begin. And, it, and it, because of that faith, you are justified. Say it again, justified. 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 Some people uh, like to remind themselves of the meaning of this word by saying justified, just as if I'd never sinned, right? And that's an important thing for any of us who are following Jesus. Our faith in Jesus allows us to be justified, but it's not done yet. Because once you are justified, God invites you into a life where you're growing so that you can be sanctified. I want you to say sanctified. Sanct is in the middle of that word. Sanct as in made clean, made better, made purer, made holy. And, and we, we have these two components. We have justification and then we have sanctification. And we need to be careful that we never confuse these two things. They're separate. I know for many of you who've been believers for a long time, you're like, this again? Yes, this again. Because there, every week there's a, a bunch of us who are just beginning our walk with Jesus. And we really need to keep the, the, the wires not getting crossed on this one. Our, our faith allows us to experience justification, our forgiveness of sins and our hope of heaven. But then what comes next is our sanctification, the opportunity, and it's a great opportunity to grow in this life, to grow more free from sin, to grow more free from addiction, to grow in the fruit of the Spirit, to grow in all of the things that we just read, actually. It's a little bit like this. <laughs> a while back, I, I, I registered for an online course. One of those you know, pop-up ads got my attention, and I'm a sucker, I guess, and I'm like, click, 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 bye, bye, bye. I got to have this online course. This course is going to help me uh, you know, fix all my problems. Has anyone else ever signed up for an online course? Am I the only one? Come on. Don't leave me hanging. Somebody at home, admit it, type it in. I did too, an online course. Anyway, I signed up for this online course. It was going to solve all my problems, <laughs> and uh, I, I got the email, confirmed the email. I registered, and I'm an official registrar for that online course. It gave me lifetime access to all of the library of all of the things from this guy. Like, I got it all. I, I, got, I got access to it. I'm never going to be not denied to it. And they're going to let me get all of that course material anytime I want it. I'm on the list. But it's not going to do that much for me if I never get on to the thing and watch the videos and take the little tests and do the exercises, right? And it's a little bit like that in our spiritual life. Your faith allows you to be justified. Your sins are forgiven. You get the hope of heaven. Yes, but God's going, but, but come on. You got a life to live, and don't you want me to be a part of it with you? And don't you want to see some growing? Don't you want to make some progress? Because that's what I want to do with you. Like, that's the heart of God for us. And he says, but it, it's not just me. You, you do it too. You make every effort. So, so can, we, can, we, can we be okay with the tension between the starting point of faith, where it's the grace of God and peace with God totally based on what Jesus has done, and say amen to how good that is? Can we, can we be okay with that? But also with the tension between that and God saying, and now make every effort. And to know that they're not in conflict with each other. They're part of the continuum that God's inviting each one of us into. 
some assembly required. One more time, verses 5 and following, it said, For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. I love the fact that it's seven. <laughs> Anyone else a fan of the number seven? I, I just can't help it. I am. Seven, seven components that God is saying, it would be so good for you if you could learn to add these into who you are. And it's a grace invitation. And I want you to just maybe today, as you hear these seven things, maybe ask the Spirit of God to highlight one of them for you. Just one. That maybe the Spirit of God would say, you know, for you, this one would be really good to, to put into, into, into the play, to, to work on a little bit. I mean, all of them are what he's calling us to, but let's just be realistic with our own selves for a second and just pick one to start on. Goodness. It's about making wise choices and doing the right thing when people are watching and when they're not. Knowledge. It's about knowing Christ Jesus, knowing the word of God, knowing the ways of God. Knowledge. Self-control. It's about learning how to exercise restraint. I know I want that, but I'm going to hold off because God's speaking to me about what he says and that that's off limits for me. Restraint, self-control. Uh, perseverance. Perseverance. The ability to just keep on going, keep on trusting in God, even though it doesn't look like the way I want it to, even though it's hard. Perseverance. Godliness. Oh, I love this one. Godliness. Walking so closely with God that the gifts of the Spirit are beginning to be activated and, and you're seeing healings happening and you're prophesying and you're, you're speaking in unknown languages and you're doing God's will and following his ways and honoring him left and right. And as a result, there's some of his power just resting on you all the time. Godliness. Wow. Woo! I love that. And mutual affection. Mutual, like looking at, beginning to look at other believers and going, you know, they really are my brothers and sisters, and I really am going to take the time to be in community with them and get to know them and, and do life with them, and, and then that leads to the opportunity for, for love, real love, agape love, like really uh, going deep in caring for somebody else that's in the body of Christ, carrying their burdens for them, standing with them in their time of need, and, and being strong in solidarity for them when they need it. it, it these, are, these are things that when you begin to step into them, you, you become the person you really want to be. Do you see it? And so God is saying, right, let's go. With like seven O's, let's go. That's the invitation. The foundation is faith. And it's a wonderful foundation. It's a wonderful foundation. So a couple of, well, I guess it was about a year ago now, this whole building thing that we did, uh, we opened this all up. And, and to build all of that in the back, we needed to do new foundations. And so we dug down into the earth and put in all the rebar and formed it all up. I'm saying it like I had anything to do with it. It was the contractors. But we, we, we created these massive foundations, these huge foundations. 
and, and, uh, and that was great, right? But what if we just left it like that? We had good foundations and just left it there. Be crazy. No, the point was the, the whole building thing that came next. It, it, both matter, but we, we need to be able to, to step into uh, this reality. Let me read from verse 8 again. It said, if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they'll keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they've been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, here it is again, make every effort. This is your heavenly father saying, please don't do this thing on autopilot. It just doesn't work its best that way. Make every effort to confirm your calling and election, for if you do these things, you'll never stumble. And you'll receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. If you possess these things in increasing measure, uh, increasing measure, you heard it, right? The ING. I wish I could change the title of my message to emphasize the ING, because this, this is dramatically important to me. Increasing measure. This is your heavenly father saying, I don't care what they think. They're not the judge. I'm the one watching your life. And, and what I'm looking for is improvement. What I'm looking for is increasing measure. I'm just grateful that that's the way my heavenly father wants to look at me and you. With a view towards what's possible. With a view towards moving in the right direction. With a view towards growing. And, and as for me, I'm learning and growing because I'm following Jesus. No, I haven't arrived yet. And yes, I do have a long way to go. But it's all right. That's really actually what God was expecting all along, was that I would come to realize that and point his way and let the increasing measure begin to happen. I remember uh, when, when my kids were young, we did a couple of years where we homeschooled them. And Anne was uh, teaching them. And, and they, did, uh, they did speech writing in one class. And so she had them write these speeches that they were going to give to us and, and the whole family was going to gather around for their speeches. And so, uh, it, they, and the speeches were going to be judged. And so uh, they both wrote their speeches and worked on them. And then it was time to do the speech uh, day. And so we set up our chairs and, and we told them, hey, we're going we're gonna, to, when they go up and do the speech, everyone else, we're going we're to judge them. We're going to do you, you a little three by five card and do, judge them. And... Um, it was Toby's turn to go first, and he got up, and he was about ready to start his speech, and then Noah was like, oh, wait, wait. And he, he grabbed that three-by-five card, and he took it over, and he wrote something on it, and, and then put it in his lap and said, okay, you can, you can start your speech now. And, and then Anne or me or whoever, one of us said, wait a minute, what just happened? What did you just do? He said, well, you said we were going to judge the speeches, and so I, I'm ready. I judged, I, I, wrote, I wrote down what, what my answer is. Toby hadn't even given the speech yet, and Noah held up his card, 10, 10. Well, he's my brother. You can do your speech now. <laughs> I love that. It's one of those, like, family stories that's always precious to me. And, and it speaks to me a little bit of, like, how, how our God looks at us. Like, yeah, you still got to do the speech, but through Jesus, you're a 10. 
You put your faith in Jesus, you're a 10. Go ahead, do your speech. I hope, you, I hope it goes well, and I help you. <laughs> and this is what we get to experience with our God. Verse 2, again, it said, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Uh, uh, verse 2, one more time, it said, grace and peace be yours in abundance through our knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. It is through knowing Jesus, the Lord, that you get the grace and the peace that comes from God. So somebody, you're a believer today, I want you to step back into a place of great gratitude for the gift that it is to know Jesus, the Lord, and to receive the grace and peace that comes from God. And for someone else, I want to invite you to start following Jesus, to join me in this posture of being able to say, I'm learning and growing because I'm following Jesus. And he's inviting me to be transformed. So I'm learning and growing because I'm following Jesus. That was the main idea of the message. Would you just say it one more time with me? I'm learning and growing because I'm following Jesus. Say it again. I'm learning and growing because I'm following Jesus. Come on, say it again. I'm learning and growing because I'm following Jesus. I'm not done yet. I got a long way to go, but I'm going. I'm learning and growing because I'm following Jesus. For somebody else, I'm saying to you today, would you begin a life with him? Would you once and for all say yes to Jesus? Accept what he did in, in his death on the cross. Receive his gift of salvation. Let him give you a second chance, the ultimate second chance to know that you are forgiven and saved. There's no better gift in this life to know my sin is gone. The shame is gone. I'm a new creation. I'm new and, and I'm not alone. Jesus is the Lord of my life. So let's just pray together for a moment. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the goodness of the scripture. I thank you, God, that, that this is the truth, that you have given us everything we need for life and godliness. It's all in the box. And then we step up and accept the part that is about some assembly required. So Father, I pray right now for every believer, Lord, that you would allow Allow us to hear your voice. You said that we should make every effort to add to our faith goodness and perseverance and self-control and godliness and mutual affection and love. Are, are, there, are there one or two of these that you would whisper to us right now to say, hey, why don't you... Let me lead you in that particular one for a season. Time to grow. God, would you speak to some of us about a specific way that we are to make every effort? Right now, God, would you speak to us? We long to hear your voice, your direction in our lives. Thank you, Lord. And Father, I pray also that in this moment, that there would be, for some of us, a spiritual awakening right now. That we could once and for all say our, our, our yes to Jesus Christ. And for somebody, while we're praying right now, what I'm talking about is you finally saying, I'm, I'm making a commitment to follow Jesus. I'm giving my life to Jesus. I want to begin following Jesus. 
what I mean is it's no longer just about, well, I think I'll go to church a little bit or, 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 that, or hang around these believers. No, you personally, finally saying, yes, Jesus Christ, I believe in you, and I'm going to begin following you. I have a long way to go, but I'm coming. I'm following you. If you're with me right now and you would say, you know, I think I need to do that. I want to know that I'm right with God, that I can have His grace and His peace through Jesus. If you're in this moment right now and you would want to say yes to Jesus, to ask Him to forgive you and save you, and you want to start a life with Jesus, right now I want you to, with me, raise your hand. Right now, if you would say, I need to do that. I want to say yes to Jesus Christ and ask Him to forgive my sin and save my life. I need you to raise your hand really high so I can see you. I want you to type it into the comments and say it. I want to give my life to Jesus today. And keep your hand up for a moment because our ministry team is going to bring a Bible to you if that's you. We want you to start following Jesus well. And so raise your hand with me and then say with me, pray with me, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. I see you up in the back. That's great. Over on my left. That's excellent. If there's anyone else, I don't want to miss you. Just make it, make your, uh, wave your hand even so we can make sure to see you. The lights are a little dark, but I want to make sure I connect with you. Would you pray and say, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. I give you my life. I turn from my sin and I turn to you and I ask you to save me. Jesus Christ, would you save me? Just say it to him. Jesus Christ, would you save me? Would you save me from my sin, shame, and guilt and give me a new life? Jesus, I'm yours. And from this moment on, Jesus, you are my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for the gift of new life. I receive it right now. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for your goodness. Thank you, Lord. Would you stand up together? And as you're standing, I want you to take a moment longer to just be in God's presence. And there may be something else that God wants to do in this moment. This is not just a song and lecture club. This is a, a gathering of the, the, the glory of God and God's people coming together to experience Him. So I want us to just take a minute more to say, God, what else do you have for us? Just pray with me. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, move. Holy Spirit, have your way. Just pray courageously. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. Somebody say it with me. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. I want us to pray right now, corporately, for victory over uh, COVID. I don't like getting reports of a bunch of people getting sick. And, and, and so let's pray together. Father, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And we take authority over COVID and Omicron and Uhi or whatever else variant it is. God, we, we come against those things in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And we declare the blood of the cross of Calvary over our physical bodies and those that we know and love for protection and quick recovery. And any sick person, God, we, we declare you are enough, God, and for your healing to come. We are crying out right now. And Father, we pray too for, uh, for people in this gathering right now that are feeling pain and sickness in physical bodies. I want to pray for somebody in particular right now for pain in your right foot. And it's numb, it's tingly, it's sharp shooting pain in your right foot foot and you've been hobbling around on it and you feel it every day. You felt it when you came in here today. Who is that? 
You can type it into the comments. Maybe you couldn't even uh, come to church today because you had that pain in your right foot so bad. And if that's you and you want the touch of God in your body, I need you to raise your hand, one hand really high. One hand really high. If you're saying, that's me, you just described how I'm feeling in my body. Hand up really high right over here. And if you're a believer, you know the power of Jesus to heal. You come around this sister. You lay hands on her right over here. You know the power of Jesus Christ to heal. Then you come and join me. Prayer team, I need you up here. Believers, pastors, ministers, you come lay hands. We're going to seek God for healing, for foot issues. Surging pain in the foot. Anyone else? You keep your one hand up really high. Everybody else? Maybe you can pray for these. They're desperate. They need a touch from God. They need the power of Jesus to come. They need His healing to come. Would you with me right now, while others are laying hands, would you join me and at home too and just simply say, Lord Jesus, say it with me. Lord Jesus, would you touch these people? Give them relief. Heal them, Lord. Just say it. Heal them, Lord. Heal them, Lord. Jesus, I pray that in this moment we would see you working in a powerful way and that your healing touch would come for people with pain in the foot. What else, Holy Spirit? Is there anyone else that you want to touch particularly, God? So many different kinds of things, but maybe there's something in particular you just want to do for whatever your reasons are right now. What would it be? Holy Spirit, would you move and have your way? Holy Spirit, move and have your way. Holy Spirit, move and have your way. All right, it's the neck. It's the back of the neck. For somebody, that's your deal. You came, you came in today or you, you couldn't even come. You stayed home because your neck hurts so bad you feel like you can hardly move it. If that's you, I want you to raise one hand. You, you want the touch of God in your, in your physical body, in your neck? Then raise your hand. One hand really high. Somebody over here and, and one brother over here. Believers, you go surround them. Right over here on the left, you believe the Lord for touch of healing, then pray for Him right now. The other person, you keep your hand, one hand up. Father, I plead the blood of Jesus and what you did on Calvary's cross over all of us, and especially those who have raised a hand to say these particular things, I need your touch. And Lord, I'm asking for your healing to come right now. L Lord, would you let your glory be revealed? You said that we are your disciples and it would be to your glory that we would bear much fruit and I believe that the fruit includes things like this. Just praying for healing and seeing healing come. And so through Calvary's cross, I believe you for the healing to come right now. In Jesus' mighty name. All right, those of you who have been prayed for, the right foot issue. If you, if you could, just right now, I want you to stand on your right foot. Almost hop on it a little bit. Hop on that right foot, somebody. You just got prayed for, I want you to do some hopping. Come on. Right foot people. I'm doing it. I feel crazy. Hop with me. Somebody else do a solidarity hop. Come on, Aaron. Somebody. Like, just hop. Okay. Now tell me this. Did God touch you and did he heal you? I want two hands up. If you could honestly say, I could not have done that and I believe God touched me and healed me. I want you to raise two hands if that has happened. Right here, sister. Two hands are up. You can't see her, but right in the front, God has touched her. God has touched her and brought healing. Okay, somebody else, your neck. You came in today, you could hardly move your neck. Somebody prayed for you. And, and I want you to just testify right now. Did God bring healing and relief to your neck? If so, I want you to raise two hands. Maybe you didn't even ask for the prayer, but suddenly right now you're going, wait a minute, that happened? How did that happen? It's like a chiropractor came up in here. Raise two hands if it happened. Did God touch your neck? Right here, brother, two hands. 
This brother's got two hands up because God has touched his neck. Thank you, Lord. This is the power of our God. And we get to live in the reality of the kingdom of God and his power flowing through us. And so let's just declare together our trust in who he is and our hope in who he is. And we're going to sing out Almighty Fortress. Come on, sing it out. Almighty Fortress.